On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. I never, ever want to be a what-if guy. That's something that I think all warriors have. It takes a lot to be an entrepreneur. One business advocate calls it having the warrior spirit. He'll explain why. Litigation limits pass the Iowa legislature. And in our business profile, we'll reintroduce you to the CEO of an Iowa business who wound up in Washington this past week for the State of the Union Address. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of February 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Zachary Green is an Ohio native whose life and business career has taken some interesting turns. And he says he finally became successful because of warrior principles. He has chronicled the concepts in a new book, Warrior Entrepreneur, Lessons from the Battlefield to the Boardroom. What I started to investigate when I was in the Marine Corps was why was I not doing such a good job at Paris Island when I had a great family upbringing and my parents gave me everything? And these other kids that grew up in the inner city that really had a tough life, why were they doing so well? And what I realized was it's, it's this concept of iron sharpens iron and having that tenacity and um, that, that rhino skin. And when I started my business, probably 10, 20 years later, I realized that all that difficulty I had those first couple of years in business is what really helped me when the company really started to take off. And I started investigating what are those warrior principles. And guess what? You don't have to be a Navy SEAL or a Marine to be a warrior. You can be that single mom working two jobs, trying to hold her life together, or that guy that maybe just got out of prison and, and has learned from his heirs and is trying to restart his business. And, and that's really what's just been fascinating on this journey of learning about warriors and how we can apply it to not just business, but to life. Does it take something special within a person or do most of us have the warrior spirit? We just have to connect with it and understand it and apply it. No, I don't think it's something that can be taught. I, I think it's a, something you have to be born with. And when you look back at, at time, all the way back to Homer and the Iliad and the Odyssey, there's this warrior's hero's journey. And it starts with this recognition that you're different. There's a thirst for adventure. You eventually meet a mentor. Once you meet that mentor, they tell you about what life's like on the other side of the wall. And you cross that threshold. And then that's when you get into those trials and tribulations and you, you really battle and you go through your crucibles. And when you come out of those, you become so incredibly strong. Most people never want to leave the sanctity of that, that home base. And when you look at movies like Harry Potter or Star Wars or The Godfather, they follow that exact same hero's journey. And what I realized is I followed that exact journey also when I started my business. What kind of business did you pursue? You've done it very, very well, but uh, tell me about the business itself and what it took to be successful at that. I don't know if we have the 20 or 30 hours to go through all those things here. <laughs> um, a lot of it's a, a lot of it's luck, a lot of it's hard work, but in all seriousness, um, it, it's about finding solution to problems. What I learned was uh, when I worked at Eli Lilly, I was in brand development and marketing and sales, and we sold literally billion dollar drugs to the people, not because of the products and the features, but because of the benefit of that brand and the problem that it solved, cured 
diabetes or depression. So in that light, after I served in the Marine Corps, I got out and um, September 11th happened and I, I felt really guilty that I wasn't in uniform anymore. So I became a volunteer firefighter and I got lost in the fire. And I realized, okay, we have a real problem here. When it gets dark, you get disoriented, you lose track of your tools, you lose accountability. And I developed this glow-in-the-dark material that helps firefighters each in the dark, not using batteries or light bulbs. Started selling it out of the trunk of my car. I made about 5,000 bucks in six months. Finally decided, hey, there's really something here. And so I went ahead and quit my full-time job, refinanced my uh, house, rated my 401k, Went to a trade show. Within three days at the trade show, I booked $100,000 of business. The only problem was is I had no money to buy the raw material. I had no production capability to fill that. And everyone's like, you got to stop. You got to start returning these orders. And I'm like, no, I'm a Marine. And, and we always accomplish our mission no matter what happens. They're like, well, where's your business plan? I'm like, we'll build the business plan as we're doing it. We'll build the ship as we're on the water. And over the next 10 years, I grew it into about a $30 million company. I got my, you know what, handed to me a lot along the way. And I felt that warrior skin and that warrior ethos. And if it wasn't for what I learned in the Marine Corps, not what I learned in college, not what I learned at Lilly, but that ethos of courage and grit and honor. And the new thing that a lot of people are talking about now that wasn't talked about a lot when I was in is, is serenity and mindfulness, because that's a critical part of both being a warrior and being an entrepreneur. So for someone who has, in their mind, a good business idea, but they lack the fortitude to jump into the deep end of a swimming pool with no water, because that's in essence what you did. You just said, all right, I believe in the product, but I can't pursue it unless I go all in. What are some of the things that you might ask somebody in that situation to consider? Because otherwise, they're going to be sitting on the sideline forever with undeveloped potential and unrealized opportunity. I never, ever want to be a what if guy. That's something that I think all warriors have. The other thing is a great quote from one of my favorite leaders, Teddy Roosevelt. He said, when you're faced with a monumental decision, the best thing to do is the right thing. The next best thing to do is the wrong thing. But the worst thing to do is to do nothing. So let's say you do have that idea and you have that passion. There's there's three things that I look for when I'm investing in companies, when I'm advising companies, and these three things are absolutely critical. So the first one is you have to solve a problem in a unique and elegant way. There's no reason to have another Me Too product out there. It's just not going to work. Solve a problem. Number two, you've got to have an unfair competitive business advantage. Not illegal, not unethical, but it has to be unfair. You are David fighting Goliath. And David beat Goliath, not because he was stronger, but because he had an unfair advantage of his speed and also the arrogance that Goliath had. And that's what you see a lot in business is the arrogance of some of these large corporations. They don't have the ability to be as nimble. And then the third one, which is by far the most important, you've got to have great sales, marketing and distribution. You can have the greatest product in the world if no one knows about it. And you're so scared someone's going to copy your idea and you spend all your money on a patent. You're never going to sell anything. Let someone steal your idea. Come up with another 2.0 version. By the way, if they steal your idea, that means it's a good idea. No one's trying to steal your idea. It's probably not a good idea. But you be the innovator. You be the brand leader. And the best example of this is bottled water. You know, 20-something, 30 years ago, there was no such thing as bottled water. It is three quarters of a trillion dollars, $750 billion business now. It's free. It's water. 
but they have branding and they have distribution and it's marketing. And, and that's why it's such an incredible business. What is most gratifying finally for you at this point in your career? You have the book, Warrior Entrepreneur. You have the websites where you're offering these tips and advice and encouragement. What's the best thing for you at this point in your life? So as we look at that warrior's journey, I had some great mentors. I had some great leaders that I learned uh, during my trials and tribulations. But now I'm, I'm looking forward to being the mentor. I'm tired of getting my you-know-what kicked. And by the way, it's brutal. As tough as I had things in the Marine Corps infantry and the fire service, nothing has taken me to my knees harder and stronger than running my own business. I avoided bankruptcy three times by the skin of my teeth. I've lost friends. I've had people that I had to sue. People have sued me. It's brutal. But I want to start teaching other people to not have to go through it as difficult as I went through it. And so for me, my joy is working with individuals either through my online course or through my one-on-one coaching or through my speaking or, or opportunities to speak to great radio stations in Iowa to hopefully know that I'm doing something, a little tiny something to help another entrepreneur make their job a little more successful by following some of the advice that I can give them. Zachary Green is author of Warrior Entrepreneur, Lessons from the Battlefield to the Boardroom. We connected via Zoom on Wednesday, November 30th, 2022, literally as he was arriving at a hotel in Arizona before a speaking appearance there. More online at warriorentrepreneurbook.com. Still to come, new legislation limiting lawsuit recovery. And later, more on a business that has been popping up everywhere. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The year was 1972. Gas cost 36 cents a gallon. A postage stamp was 8 cents. Bob Ray was Iowa's governor. And Camp Courageous was founded. For a half century, Camp Courageous near Monticello, Iowa, has served individuals with special needs. And it does it without government support. Learn more by going to campcourageous.org. This message paid for by the Friends of Camp Courageous. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. Iowa lawmakers this past Wednesday approved legislation that would put a ceiling on cash awards for pain, suffering, and other non-economic complications from medical malpractice lawsuits. Non-economic damages would be capped at $2 million for hospitals and $1 million for individual doctors. It does not cap economic or punitive damages. Supporters said the measure was needed so hospitals and other health care centers could avoid fiscal problems caused by high-dollar jury awards and the cost of insurance. Opponents said the caps limit the ability of victims and their families to be fully compensated. Iowa was one of 22 states that did not have a cap on non-economic damages in medical malpractice lawsuits. Other states that do have such limits cap non-economic damages at levels ranging from $250,000 to $800,000. In the Midwest, Wisconsin, South Dakota, Nebraska, and Missouri all have caps on non-economic damages in medical malpractice cases, 
while Minnesota and Illinois do not. Coming up, the story of a young CEO who made it to D.C. this past week. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Hello, fellow Iowans. This is Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. 2023 marks Iowa History Journal's 15th anniversary, and we have planned some amazing stories for the year that you won't want to miss and that you won't find in other magazines. Pick up our January-February issue on newsstands at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and other outlets. Better yet, subscribe so that you don't miss an issue. Visit iowahistoryjournal.com and order today. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. The annual State of the Union address was delivered before a joint session of Congress this past week in Washington, D.C. Each member of the U.S. House and Senate is able to invite a guest. And two members of the congressional delegation from Iowa selected people from the business profile segment of this program. Fourth District Congressman Randy Feenstra invited Chad Tentinger, principal developer behind Cattlemen's Heritage Beef Company, which we profiled on this program last month. You can hear that full interview by clicking on the radio program section of totallyiowa.com. Meanwhile, U.S. Senator Joni Ernst invited the CEO of Almost Famous Popcorn Company, Sidney Rickoff, to be her guest. We first learned about that company last April, and they've done nothing but grow in size and notoriety since that time. So we thought it was appropriate to hear again about Almost Famous Popcorn Company. So we are Almost Famous Popcorn Company. We're based out of Cedar Rapids, but expanding quickly across the state. We are a gourmet popcorn company that also provides delicious ice cream within um, our retail locations. We started in 2012. My brother Carter and I started two smaller companies that eventually grew into Almost Famous as a way to kind of dip our feet into the world of entrepreneurship. At that time, I was going in in my freshman year of high school, and he was in middle school. So we're definitely very young, but wanted that kind of adventure and just experience to have our own business and to try to, to make something grow. Following our start in 2012, we had two stands within the Nubo City market in Cedar Rapids. Eventually, about a year and a half later, we decided to merge those two together and take over our own space across the street within a hundred plus year old beautiful building that we're still in today for our Cedar Rapids location. Over time, we found more opportunities and, and really started to think of this business less as a hobby and more as something that could have some substance. Um, it's something that we wanted to share with the state and the region. So we've also continued to grow and have opened a store in the East Village of Des Moines. We've opened a full-time factory in Cedar Rapids and most recently closed on the acquisition of another popcorn company in Western Iowa in the town of Sac City called Noble Popcorn and are growing that way as well. Noble is certainly a uh, brand name that, that I'm well familiar with uh, from when I was quite small. They used to partner with Lions Clubs and other service clubs across the state for fundraising. And so uh, being able to fold that well-established business into your own business is a wonderful stroke. A lot of kids would get a part-time job 
And a lot of kids might compete with a sibling uh, for friendly rivalry, but you guys took that to the next level. I have a feeling your parents were very much encouraging that sort of development as opposed to a lemonade stand or something. For sure. It definitely started with lemonade stands. And I think at one point I was even going door to door selling fabric squares, which is my mom's favorite story to tell. But really, it wasn't even just my parents. It's been my whole family that's really rallied around us and supported us through this journey. We're from a family of entrepreneurs. We've seen kind of the good and the bad side of it. I mean, it's just always kind of been this natural thing. And some of my most fond memories as a kid were helping out on my grandparents' vegetable farm or helping my mom with some of the businesses that she had over the years. And So I really always say it wasn't a matter of if I was going to start a business, but when. And when the opportunity presented itself for us to kind of work on something together, but each have our own separate piece of the pie, that just worked perfectly. And um, I do think there have been some healthy competition there over the years, but also my brother and I are are really good uh, about supporting each other. And, And now that we're a full family business and we've all kind of merged together and our parents are in it with us, there's really some nice dynamics and things that work out that way that help us to really grow this business together. How did the name of the popcorn company come about? I understand the name of the LLC, but what about the popcorn company itself? Yeah, so Almost Famous has gone through a couple of iterations. For those who have followed us from the beginning, this is about our third name and one that we are planning to stick with. There's a couple of reasons we chose the name Almost Famous. First and foremost being a few years back, we were named by Orbitz, the travel company, one of the top five popcorn shops in the country, along with some very famous shops, like a particularly famous one you may know in the Chicagoland area. And we said, this shows that we're just as good as some of these other companies. We're just not quite as famous, but we're almost famous. So we thought that was a fun play. In addition, we really want to build this brand to be more than just a popcorn company, but something that's there for all of those almost famous moments that pop in people's lives. Graduations, retirement parties, weddings, just a gift you give your neighbor to say thank you or, you know, I care about you. And it it really helps to remind us that this purpose is bigger than just popcorn. It's about bringing people together and, and really making people happy. What separates other than that attitude, which is certainly a fresh attitude from a marketing perspective, what separates the product from others? Because it seems to me that any small business, growing business is tough, but it seems there's a lot of people trying to get into this niche lately. So what separates Almost Famous? We like to think there's a lot of things that separate us into what we call our innovation stack um, and just a collection of things that separate us apart from others. First and foremost, obviously, being the quality of the product. We don't sacrifice on ingredients and are willing to pursue those extra premium, pricier products to go in as inputs to then create a product that we're really proud of. And that sometimes means selling outside of the popcorn aisle and taking a fresh approach as to what that product is pitched to as a consumer. But that allows us to maintain that quality that a lot of companies lose as they go and scale and try to drive costs down. So we'd say that that is first and foremost just the biggest part of our product that we love. Our customer service, we try to maintain that level of Midwestern kind of Iowa, nice and truly care for our customers. And, you know, that's why we are where we are today. And so that's something that, you know, has always been a part of this company and is something that we will pursue um, with all we have going forward. 
the concept of gourmet popcorn. Discuss what that actually means and, and how that is the driver of the business as it grows. I mean, this is not necessarily a place where I just get a jumbo bag of popcorn. I mean, you're targeting a more discriminating taste, shall we say, than some of us who just eat it by the bag full just for volume. Definitely. You know, while we do have some staple flavors, too, that can be enjoyed more as a snack, we're obviously targeting that gourmet market. So gourmet to us really means this indulgent snack that, well, yes, it's popcorn. It's more than that. It's a treat. It could take the place of a baked good and is really something that you can sit down and kind of savor and, and really enjoy all the flavors that go along with it. And so that's something that we keep in mind as we're developing recipes. And again, while we still keep those favorites, like our Butter Than the Movies, which is just plain buttered popcorns, it's one of my all-time favorite snacks, you know, just to enjoy throughout the week. We're developing alongside that these products that are really something special in my eyes and something that can be enjoyed and really savored. We're going to continue to focus on Iowa. There's a lot of untapped market. And then from there, we want to start to tackle regionally. We love the Midwest. We want to share across the states that border us, and, and we think that would just be fantastic. But truly, we do have our eyes set eventually on being on that national top-notch popcorn brand that when you think of a highly indulgent popcorn snack, you think of Almost Famous. Sydney Rickhoff, CEO of the Almost Famous Popcorn Company. Our conversation was originally presented on this program in April of last year, and she was the guest of U.S. Senator Joni Ernst at the State of the Union Address in Washington this past week. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. <laughs>